Hey, Jacob's Well Podcast. So glad you checked us out this weekend. Not only is this incredible weekend Mother's Day, but we're continuing it on in our study in 2 Corinthians. And I got to tell you, God has just pulled together an incredible weekend with an incredible story, an incredible passage of scripture. You are going to be really glad that you took the time to listen as we continue our series called Worth It. One of my earliest memories is sitting at the kitchen table on our home on 1901 John Avenue in Superior, Wisconsin with my mom. I would come home after school. I remember as early as kindergarten and first grade. That's when we still walked home from school, you know. And mom would be there and she would have a snack for me. And she would be doing her mom stuff, and sometimes we'd sit, and it was just such a comforting thing to come home to mom. I remember she would make dinner, and my mom was the person who'd make dinner for whoever would show up at whatever time. And so one brother would come in, I was the youngest of six, and another sister would come in, and she'd make them different things, and, and I'd eat with each one of them, and I remember that. Uh, uh, and uh, um, I just remember that, and I remember then at the evening, as the evening went on, it was always a little bittersweet, because mom had to go get ready, because she had to go to work, because she worked in the evening, she was a waitress for years and years. She works really hard, and as a kid, you don't appreciate that. That that reason she's doing all that stuff is because she's a mom. It's hardwired into her. You know, one time I remember I, I got sick at school, and and uh, they called home, and uh, he's starting to get the flu, and so send him home. And so I walked home, and I remember getting home, and I remember mom was in the kitchen, uh, so discouraged. And finally, she came down, and she brought me upstairs. She did what mom did, gave me medicine, and got me all in bed, and all things. And I just felt like she was underperforming, to be honest with you. Uh, you know. Um, <laughs> As a mom, and I, I remember just sitting on the bed about till I down and said, Mom, I'm sick. Like, and, and then she, she said to me without me looking up, I'm sick too. And I looked up and I saw her eyes were red and her hair and she was doing everything for me even when she was doing what she was doing. That's mom, right? So, so happy Mother's Day, huh? To all you mothers. If you're a mom here today and you got little ones and you're feeling overwhelmed, happy Mother's Day. If you're maybe on the other end of the spectrum and you got some empty nesters and you're trying to make sense of that and kids are going and not calling or whatever, happy Mother's Day. If you're here and you're a grandparent and your deal is I'm trying to figure out how to do this and it's a lot of fun or maybe you're in a version of grandparents that I didn't think I'd be doing this much parenting as a grandparent, happy Mother's Day. If you are an adoptive parent or a foster parent, I just want to say thank you for stepping in and, and momming. Happy Mother's Day. If you're here today and your heart is longing to be a mom and for whatever reason God has not made that happen in your life, I want to say to you who have the heart of a mom, Happy Mother's Day. You're an aunt, a sister, a woman who just has this incredible calling of God to love and to protect and to inspire and to teach and to prepare. Happy Mother's Day. If you're here this weekend, by the way, and you're thinking of mom, and mom's not here, and maybe that's a recent loss for you, I want to say to you, happy Mother's Day as well. I think God's got some special things he wants to show us this week uh, because he's brought some incredible things together. First of all, we're in this series called Worth It, where we're in the book of 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians, in large part, is about the nature of suffering, the nature of affliction, the nature of what it's like to just go through difficult things that the scriptures tell us this is going to happen, actually promises 
and, and, and what's the perspective we're supposed to take? Now, the writer of the book of 2 Corinthians is this guy by the name of Apostle Paul, who is writing to this church, his at least fourth letter to them, and, and he's responding to some criticism, because basically they had embraced this weird theology that said, if you're really favored by God, if you really you know, are loved by God, if you're really doing the things you should, well, then you shouldn't have so much suffering in your life. And so they heaped a bunch of shame on him, and, and, and he's trying to respond and help them to understand that not only has a lot of suffering come on Paul because it's just a messed up and difficult world, but a lot of the suffering that has happened in the Apostle Paul has because, been because he's trying to help the Corinthians, and he's trying to help other churches because he has this radical commitment to this thing called the gospel. That is to say, much of the suffering that is embraced by Paul is because he had made a choice to live for something bigger than himself. Now, the thing that the Apostle Paul is committed to is this thing called the gospel. Now, the gospel is the good story of the life, passion, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul really believes that. And because he really believes that, he lives radically different. And part of how he lives is he's on this mission to bring this message of the gospel to the people God wants him to bring. Now, now because of that, he has stepped in some messy situations, difficult situations, painful situations. In that respect, he's brought the suffering on himself because he's decided that there There was something worth suffering for. There was something worth paying a price for. There was something that was worth it. And when I started thinking about that in relation to Mother's Day, I just said, well, that's a mom, right? A mom has has agreed to step into some of the most profound suffering that you're going to have in this life. Some of the most difficult situations. Let's just imagine that I, I came before you and said, I've got a proposition for you. This is the proposition. I want to put something in your life. Now, what it's going to start with is nine months of of physical things happening to you that are going to change your body for the rest of your life. At the end of which, you are going to have one of the most physically painful experiences you will ever experience in your life. After that, you are going to become emotionally vulnerable on a level that you cannot begin to begin to understand because you're going to so care about this thing that, that all the chaos in the world, you're not going to know whether to prepare or protect, and it's just going to make you feel super, super vulnerable. It's going to fill your life with a lot of anxiety. It's going to fill you with, with a lot of worry, um, and, and this thing that I'm going to give you is super expensive. It's going to take your money, and, and you know what? And the thing about it, it won't be grateful. It's not even a very nice thing. It's kind of a sinful thing. And it's demanding, it smells, okay? And then after you do all these things, you're going to have to sacrifice your entire life for this thing. It's going to grow up, and it's going to go off, and it's not going to call, it's not going to write, okay? All right, this is what I'm going to offer you, and, and, and this is the thing that I'm going to say is worth it. Now, any takers on that? Now, the moms say, yeah, I'll take that. That, that's the thing. That, that's the, the thing that is worth it for me. That is the thing that is, listen now, I'm willing to give the best parts of myself for that. I, I found something that is so much more important than just me that, that, that I will lay that down. And so in so many ways, the gospel is expressed first and perhaps clearest in many ways, particularly for children, in the heart and the passion of the mom. Now, now the gospel itself changes the way we parent, right? And it changes the way we mom because without the gospel, what we're kind of hoping for is, you know, A, keep them alive and, and, and two, you know, help them to grow up and be healthy and happy. But the gospel says different things. The gospel says, you know what, I not only want 
want to protect them, but I want to prepare them for the thing that God has for them. I want to see honor and glory for God through this child because not only is that best for God, but it actually is best for this kid. I want a meaningful life for this kid. And so sometimes the kind of suffering I've got to give as a mom is I've got to send them off and I've got to struggle and, and I've got to figure that all out. See, it's this incredible, credible journey of what it means to be a mom. And so the big question I want us to ask, specifically moms, but uh, then generally of us all, is it worth it to give the best parts of yourself to someone else? Is it worth it to find something that you care about so much that I will, I will sacrifice the present for the future? I will, I will enter into things that I know will be hard. I will do things that will make me vulnerable and make me afraid. And, and so not only, spoiler alert, am I going to answer that yes, it's actually worth it. I actually want to suggest to you that no matter if you're mom or not, if you haven't found something that you have found worthy to sacrifice for, worthy to suffer for, worthy to delay the present, to experience the future, if you haven't found like something like that, you haven't lived. You haven't found the best parts of life because it's through this struggle, it's through this passion, it's through this self-sacrifice, it's through this embracing of responsibility, forgetting about my rights and embracing responsibility that life becomes meaningful, it becomes magical, it becomes significant, it becomes something Worth living. And we see this incredible example in a mom. Now, now, let's take a look at this scripture and how the Apostle Paul lays this out. Now, remember, what he's trying to show the Corinthians is that there's a nature of suffering that comes upon us, but there's actually a kind of suffering we take upon ourselves because we take up serious responsibilities, serious callings. We, 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 we're going to live for something beyond ourselves. And, and what he wants to suggest is that, 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 that when this pressure comes on, we need to be filled with the right stuff. We, we, we need to um, um, be filled pots so we don't become crackpots. Uh, that was my joke for the day. <clears throat> Look what he says. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. And so what he does is he starts fashioning this illustration. So in the ancient world, they would make clay pots. And the thing about clay pots is they're actually quite fragile. I mean, they can get knocked over and they can get broken. Someone can hit them. They can be rustled together on the back of a cart and they can get broken. And, and so, so there's a secret. There's a key to keeping a pot from breaking. You fill it. So in archaeology, one of the ways we know where time, uh, how we measure time in archaeology has to do with pottery. And one of the things that archaeologists get super excited about is when they find a complete or unbroken pot. And, and usually what that means is that whenever it was stored or whenever it was lost or whenever it was sunk in a ship, it was full. Because when a pot is full, it's strong. It can take outward pressure. It can be knocked over. And because it has like stability in it, because it has this solid, it actually is quite strong. But an empty pot is easily cracked, is easily broken, is easily shattered. So he says, we have this treasure. So we are filled with this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. And so the key is to be filled with the right stuff. Now, now this weekend, God's just done something very, very special. We've, we've got a story of one of the, the really courageous moms in our church who's going through an incredible struggle. And um, we're going to see what it looks like to be filled with the treasure that's being talked about here. Let's go ahead and hear the first part of her story. My name is Beth Raybuck, and my husband is Eric Raybuck. 
and we have three children. Our oldest is Meryl, he's seven. Myra is five, and Selah is two, soon to be three. So October 25th, 2016, I got very ill. I had like flu-like symptoms and I was sick that entire day. And my husband happened to be home by the grace of God. So he went and checked on me, touched the bed and it was wet. So he turned on the light and found that I was laying there in my own bloody vomit. He was gonna take me to the ER. They said this is a severe blood infection. I was in septic shock. My blood pressure was getting extremely low. All my organs were shutting down. I was cold blue for seven minutes. So there's no way I should have made it through because I also had DIC. That with septic shock gave me basically a 0% chance of living. And at that point, my mom tells me she said a prayer. She said the entire staff came around me in the ER and um, this part's pretty emotional. I somehow turned a corner enough where they felt like I could get, they could get me to the critical care unit. So for the next um, 10 days, I spent in a coma. When I woke up from that coma, I had no idea what had happened to me but I couldn't communicate with anybody. My body was completely paralyzed and frozen. I couldn't lift my hands, I couldn't lift my feet, my legs, I couldn't, I could, I always say all I could do was blink. 10 day coma, 45 days in the critical care, um, and 32 days in the rehab, so it was two and a half months total. I think we're through the worst of it, this will be it. There's light at the end of the tunnel, we'll move on. I got the news of why this had all happened in the first place. I discovered that I have a rare bone marrow disease called amyloidosis. The treatment for it is chemotherapy, so I started chemotherapy immediately. And that was also the day I started walking after a year and a half, finally. So it was like, okay, you got through this tunnel, boom, you're starting a new one. They also diagnosed me with multiple myeloma, which is bone marrow cancer. So to, to this day, the permanent things I have are my amputations and problems with that, 50% feeling my hands, which causes tons of daily struggles. And then I have I'm in stage four kidney failure. I have multiple myeloma and I have amyloidosis. I'll find out in a few weeks if I will have a stem cell transplant, in which case I'll spend a month in Rochester and I'll get very sick from that, but that will ultimately cure, but not cure. It will put me in remission for a while, but it will probably destroy my kidneys. So I will likely be put on dialysis after that until I can have a kidney transplant. And I may even face further amputation because I may have a bone infection in my right foot. So those are all my permanent health issues. So I'll, ha I'll never have a light at the, end of, at the end of the tunnel. This will be the rest of my life. I'll never be through this. And I feel like, and I know that God is the only way I can go through this with peace. So the, I remember when I first started talking to Beth about all that she had going on and all that is in her life, um, the thing that struck me is how can this person just not be falling apart? How can they just not be a crushed pot in pieces? Well, it's because she's filled with something. You're going to hear more about it. She's filled with this treasure, which is the peace of God, which is the presence of God, which is a gospel perspective that is, that is helping her face this personally and as a mom in the most profound way. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Again, he said, because we are these jars of clay filled with treasure, he says, we are afflicted. He says, we're going to be afflicted. She says, in every way and coming at us from every angle, but not crushed. 
You see the difference? We are perplexed. What the heck is going on? But not driven to despair. Oh, I give up God and despair. All that persecuted. That is to say that things coming at us from every angle again. But not forsaken. I'm not alone. That God is with me. He was persecuted. And so in many ways this unites me with Christ. Struck down but not destroyed. He, he goes on and, and he says, and always carrying in the body, in the body, death of Jesus. He says, that is to say, I'm united with the death of Jesus. In, in Paul's case, and he says, it's, it's because, because I've been united with Christ and I'm joining our mission, I share with him in his death. That is to say, there's some things that I have to be willing to give up, some things that have to die because of the steps I'm taking, because of the responsibilities that I'm embracing, so that the life of Christ may be manifest in our bodies. He says that is to say that I find what life is really all about when I'm willing to suffer with Christ, willing to take up responsibilities, willing to make sacrifices. That's what I find it's really what it means to be alive and what it means to be alive in Christ. He says, for we who are always being given over to death. And so this is a continual process. I mean, when, when Beth talked about light at the end of the time, tunnel, you know, a lot of times, you know, wow, another tunnel. Sometimes, wow, it looks like a train coming in the tunnel. I thought it was light, but it's, it's a train, you know. But this feeling that this is an ongoing process. He says, we're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. Look at this next part, because this is important. So that death is at work in us. I had to say, we're sacrificing, we're giving, but life in you. And so what he's saying to the Corinthians is saying, listen, it cost me something to come to Corinth. And, and in Corinth, there were beatings and there were imprisonments and there's persecution and there's false teachers. He said that there, there's part of us. It just felt like we were, we were just despairing and we were sharing in the death of Christ. Why did we do that? Well, because God loves the Corinthians. And he says, I'm doing this for you. And it seems to me that that same spirit is celebrated in the heart of a mom. So why do moms do what they do? They do it for us. This most beautiful picture. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with us. This is the gospel perspective that this life is not what it's all about. So suffering in this life is temporary because we will be raised with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. That ultimately, the thing that makes it worth it is having lived this life well, not only redeems this life, even in the midst of struggle and suffering, but it ultimately creates the promise of life to come, eternal life. He goes on. For it is all for your sake. For it is all for your sake. He said the suffering Paul speaking of specifically this week is that suffering we take on because we take on a great challenge. And whether it be being a mom or being a leader or fighting injustice or being uh, uh, the best boss we can be, changing a culture in an organization, doing it all in the name of God and the name of Jesus. For it is for your sake so that as grace extends more and more, people, it may increase thanksgiving in the glory of God. Ultimately, all of this leads to the glory of God. This perspective changes Paul's view of going through difficult things. He said, so we do not lose heart. Even though we're, we're, we're pressed in and we're perplexed, and we're knocked down. He says, we do not lose heart, though our outer selves are wasting away. That is to say, we're giving the best parts of our life now, the temporary parts, our inner selves, that which is eternal, is being renewed day by day. Look at this. For this light and momentary affliction, any affliction in this life is temporary, is preparing, is doing work for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all compare. 
So, so that eternal gospel perspective causes us to live this life radically different and gives us a radically different perspective. Let's take a look how this is lived out in Beth's life. I look at everything and try to flip and find the positive in everything. And I know when people say it, it's really annoying, but I've been through a lot of stuff, so I can say it to myself. But try to find the positive in everything, and, and it can always be worse. And that helps give me a perspective of gratitude and say, well... Yeah, I have foot amputations, but at least I still have my feet and my legs and I can still get braces and walk. It could be worse. I grew up in a home where you just pray. So that's been a huge blessing to me. So I'm just naturally know I can just pray and talk to God anywhere and anytime. And I do. I just pray throughout the day. I have people around me that support me and love me. A lot of people can't say they have that. I have a wonderful church. I have. I grew up in a, in a spiritual household, so I have decades of a foundation of faith and now it's just being put to the test but my greatest source of encouragement has been not being private about my journey being open about it I'm very open about it all because I think God gave me this to share with other people to try to encourage them about it and because of that I've gotten so much support from people all around me um, whether it's help with the kids financial support help with meals help with cleaning what you often see when people, when they go through hard times, they'll reject God and say, well, why, woe is me and victim mentality and why is this happening to me and I'm going to reject God because he allowed this to happen to me. Well, guess what? God's word promises things will happen to me and these things will happen to unbelievers also. So flip that to a positive and say, thank God I have God to help me get through these struggles because the unbelievers going through the same things and they have they don't have the tools to get through them in a healthy manner. But when I woke up from that coma, I had an ounce of fear in me. It's like God had spent that 10 days wiping every ounce of fear out of my life, my body, and I don't have fear in my life. This piece I've been given is beyond comprehension, which it is. And I don't think that everyone is obviously given this piece. Um, but he gave it to me. He knew I needed it, so he gave it to me and it wrapped up in a little gift for me when I woke up from that coma. I don't worry about anything anymore. And be, prior to this, I was, if you looked at me, you would think, oh, she's got it all together because I was a very type A personality and I would do everything to, I mean, everything down to the smallest detail. I could plan events, I could do everything well, came easily, easy to me. But internally, I lived a life of fear. I would fear people, I'd fear finances, I'd fear health, I'd fear everything you can fear, I'd fear internally. Nobody ever probably even knew it, um, but I knew it. I don't worry about um, the little things that moms always worry about. All the little things, you think that all the little details are going to matter in a birthday party or in, a, in food, things like that. The things that moms, we all worry about it. I, I usually ask myself, is this going to matter in five minutes? Is this going to matter in an hour? Is this going to matter in a year, ten years? No. And I think I often more think in the perspective of eternally. I just take everything one day at a time, one hour at a time. There's been days where I've taken things minutes at times. When I was in critical care, I've taken a minute at a time. We are afflicted in every every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed this verse speaks to me because it is me every single week and often day after day I get sucker punched and people 
watch me get sucker punched. And they, because I write about it on Karen Bridge, and they say, what the heck now? And I'm like, I don't know. This is what's going on now, and this is what about, this is going to go on, and then all of a sudden something else comes in. Verse 16 is, so we do not lose heart, though our outer, outer self is wasting away, our, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And my physical body is an absolute train wreck. Even just reading this, I realized and remembered that my speech slurs too because I have a giant tongue from amyloidosis. So even that is a reminder to me that how much my body is wasting weight. Every part of my body is affected by these, all these diseases and things I have. But I've never been happier spiritually and emotionally because every day... God renews my inner self just with his spirit. So I would say just switch it to thank God I have God to help me through this. And in that, go to him and ask him to help you through that. Because if you ask him, he will help you. See, that's what it looks like to have your pot filled with a treasure. That's what it looks like to have a belief in the gospel that transforms suffering not only into a temporary thing, but an opportunity. Did you hear what she said? That I think God has given me this to help other people. What an amazing perspective. That's exactly what these scriptures say. You know, ordinarily when we capture a faith story like this, we try to edit it down to three or four minutes. And, and we were going through all the editing with this. And uh, we said, wow, that's amazing. And that's amazing. I can't say anything better than that. That's powerful. And I brought my wife and I said, what part of this should we cut out? And she said, none of it. You just need not to preach. You just need to let this happen. That was my wife. And it's Mother's Day. So... Uh, <clears throat> One more verse that really shows the, 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 the power of this. It says, as we look not into the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. There's just a lot we don't understand yet. But we consider the things that are unseen. We look for that which is coming. For the things that are seen are, look at this, transient, are temporary, are just passing through. This pain, this suffering, just passing through my life. This is, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. Transient. But the things that are unseen, look at this, are eternal. And having that eternal perspective absolutely changes everything. You know, one of the big questions I asked, you know, Beth was, you know, how does this affect you as a mom? And what would you say to moms for Mother's Day? And this is just some of the incredible wisdom that comes from this remarkable person. I'm trying to impress on my kids to never, to never give up for anything. And then not to be a victim, which I've already talked about. Because once you get started in that victim mentality of saying, woe is me and why did this happen to me? You're done. You're done because you've already um, not, you're just limiting yourself so much emotionally and spiritually. I'm trying to impress on them that somebody's physical appearance or their abilities or their mental abilities does not define them as a person, doesn't make them either a better or worse person, that their heart defines them. The hardest thing is that I have a hard time even taking care of my own physical needs, much less theirs. Emotionally, I can offer the kids everything that they need, and emotionally, I'd say I'm rock solid and spiritually. I do see a Christian counselor, which helps. I do stay plugged in at church, obviously, which helps. I keep um, Christian music going all the time if I ever need anything to just give me a pick up, pick me up, that kind of thing. Um, but my physical abilities is what is my hardest thing on being a mom. My physical inability also affects 
things with the kids sometimes, like they want me to do certain activities. I just can't do it, and they don't really understand why. Even though I do have a lot of physical limitations, I can do all the things that they really want, like sit and read a book with them or um, paint my daughter's nails or play Legos with my son. I don't want to create a childhood that revolved around me all the time and they couldn't do anything, we couldn't do anything as a family because mom's sick. By the perspective of, of a very well mom and a severely disabled mom, I have both those perspectives. So it's not like I was always like this and this is all I've ever known. I know what it was like to be perfectly healthy. So I remember thinking I should slow down and sit with them and play these things and read these books and play these Legos, but I don't have time, I gotta do these things. So it's actually been a blessing in disguise, and there you go again. It's one of those things where I just find, try to find the positives in this horrible situation I've been put in. I try to find the positives. I would imagine, imagine moms look back and say, oh, I wish I would have read more books and sat with them and cuddled them and played Legos, which is really what my kids love. So the other thing that I would um, encourage a mom who is struggling with is to simplify your life and really ask God what he wants your life to look like, your family. And you may have to take some things out of your life. You Maybe you're doing too many things. Maybe that's why you're stressed or don't think you're doing a good job because you can't go in every direction. Well, newsflash, you can't. So maybe simplify your life and ask God how he, what he wants you to remove and maybe replace. And your kids are so capable if you delegate things out to them. And in the beginning, it's hard because they don't do it right and they maybe may not do it the way you would do it. Nobody does. And that's been a thing through my journey is that I've had to give up all of my duties to everybody. All the time I find things that aren't the way I, I would have done it. And I've just had to let it roll off my back because I need the help. And I can no longer control every little thing. So I just have to say, well, it's done. It's maybe not the way I would have done it, but it's done. Let's move on with life. I guess to, to Eric, um, he has been... He's not the most romantic guy or the guy that gives you all the things you want to hear, but it's okay. Um, he's the lid to my pot because he is committed to this household. He's committed to church, to the Lord, to his family, and he's just embraced the Lord. And he knows, he knows, he knows that God is the only reason we're going, we're going to get through this too. And he's been so helpful around this house. He he has taken. On, he's now the caretaker of four of us. He's the caretaker and breadwinner to four of us, and he's taken on that role just in a phenomenal way. And actually, his vacation is going to work because he comes home and he's Mr. Mom. He does so much for me and the kids. Physically, he has to do a lot of dishes, a lot of diaper changing, a lot of... Um, I'm back to finally cooking, but he did meals for two years. He cooked everything, and he's not a, he's not a chef. He's a... He can cook some basic things, and he did that for two years. He's just really taken that role, not only as a husband, he's taken it a whole step further because now he's dealing with a disabled wife. And he's just he just does it gracefully. You want to come in here? You want to be on TV? Come here. Okay. All right. Yogurt mustache, too. 
the other thing I'm trying to teach these guys is to always rely on God for everything. We pray, I pray with them every single night because I remember my mom praying with me and I remember how comforting that was. Um, even, I think as adults, we think it has to be some big fancy prayer to, um, we, we get so wrapped up in all the technicalities, but I, I pray with them every single night. If I forget to, because I get in a hurry, they'll say, Mom, pray, pray, pray. And we pray about the same thing every single night. No dreams, nothing but good dreams. Yogurt, bananas, apples, carrots, right? We thank God for blessings. Yeah. And um, in that, I'm trying to teach them at a young age to rely on God for everything and to know that everything comes from Him. You don't have control of this life at all, which... It's very evident what happened to me. It happened instantly. I went from very healthy to very sick. It was nothing I did. It was nothing anybody did to me. It was just, boom, this is your new life. And I have to rely on God for everything now. Everything I knew, I knew that for 30 years, 34 years prior to that. But now it's actually coming to fruition in every single thing I do every day. So, so that's a mom, but perhaps what is even more powerful, that is a gospel-centered mom. That is a mom with an eternal perspective um, that God has given us to inspire us in the most profound way. It was uh, interesting. We shot this video earlier in the week, and then Friday night I got a text from Beth who ended up in the hospital this weekend and is there now. She had an infection and looked like she's going to have a surgery on the other foot she has, and she will indeed have to face some more amputations. And uh, I called her to encourage her, Joe Pastor, you know, and just, you know, left just so encouraged myself. It was unbelievable. And she said, that happens a lot. The chaplains come in just to cheer up, you know, just to talk to me, you know, that kind of thing. And I tell you what, it's real. It's deep. It's so deep. She is filled with the treasure that causes this clay pot to be an incredibly powerful, strong thing. And so this, this Mother's Day, I just want to challenge the moms with a couple next steps. The next steps would be, hey, mom, just look at your life from a gospel perspective. Look at eternal, look at temporary, and, and ask what would that change about what I want to give to my kids and equip my kids. And, and maybe just some of the wisdom of Beth, I'm going to start focusing on simple things. I'm going to let some of the things that I just, for some reason, think are so important, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back to the things that are, are, are simple, the, the, the simple prayer, the simple time, the, the simple things that I can do. I'm not going to focus on what I'm going to do. Maybe I'm going to turn off Facebook and quit looking on the super moms who, who try to say how amazing they are and all that kind of stuff, and they're not. You know that, right? I mean, and, and they're struggling just like you are, just honestly. I'm going to come back to this gospel perspective and maybe just give yourself some grace. You have a remarkably difficult job. You have taken on a challenge that involves suffering and struggle and anxiety. So if you're feeling perplexed, crushed, at times knocked down, that's just part of the job. Um, and, 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 and give yourself some grace in the most wonderful way. And so what we want to do now is we want to have a special prayer for mom. We want to let you know, mom, if you're really overwhelmed this weekend, you just want someone to pray with you. Maybe you got some older kids and they're in a tough place. Just go ahead and check out the prayer room. There's some beautiful people there who'd like to hear your story and just pray over you about your specific situations. Uh, because we know the secret to mom's heart, we have 
chocolate and homemade caramels and truffles for you after services. Moms and, and any of the women who have the heart of a mom can go. Children, stay away. Fathers, stay away. There are moms guarding that chocolate. You will get hurt, okay? But if you are a mom, we just want to bless you with that. And we want to end our time with just a special prayer for our mom. So if you're sitting next to a mom, put your arm around her. Tell her she's beautiful. Tell her you love her. Tell her you're sorry. Okay. All right. And let's just go ahead and say a prayer for our moms. Father, one of the greatest evidences that you are a God of love is our moms. This incredible idea you have to express your love for these incredible women who come into our life, whether they're our birth moms, our adoptive moms, our foster moms, our grandmoms, our our sisters, our aunts, those ones who you have given to protect, to prepare, to inspire, to teach, to correct, to bear burdens that we really don't understand until just a long way down the road. So Father, we would pray for just a deep blessing and and just a deep sense of peace. For any mom here who's overwhelmed, uh, Father, just comfort her. For any mom who maybe just has gotten confused with being a mom's all about, just fill them with the treasure of you and the gospel and the peace that comes with that. For any that just are just, uh, just, just struggling deeply, we just pray your peace and your comfort. We pray for Beth this morning. We pray thanks for her. We pray peace for her. And we all just commit to pray for her healing and for her strengthening, for her family, for Eric and the kids. And we lift up all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.